Welcome back to the podcast. I appreciate your listenership. I know there's a lot of content out there these days. A lot of very well-produced content that's very enjoyable to listen to. So if you're here, thank you. I hope that this gives you something to add to a conversation you may have by the water cooler or just something interesting to think about. This segment is going to be titled Things Forgotten. There's a lot of things that I encounter day to day through the things that I read and hear and talk about that little snippets pop up from things long forgotten, things that, of course, with our 24-hour media cycle, our 24-hour memory cycle, giant stories, and then they're just gone, and nobody ever seems to remember them. So I'd like to highlight some of those things and, and bring them back to the forefront for closure for myself. Mostly, I found that talking about things on this podcast allows me to quit carrying them around in my brain. I saw something recently that went something like that men need to talk to other men in order to really put together in their brain the way that they think about something or the way that they view something. That conversation somehow allows those neuron pathways in their brain to solidify and kind of locks in a certain ideology or paradigm. And... I spend a lot of time by myself. I don't really have to talk to people very often in the type of work that I do. And and so this gives me an opportunity to sort of ramble my way through thoughts and thought processes and figure out really how I feel about something. And if you're listening, I appreciate listening to me because <laughs> I sure hate hate doing it. One thing I'd like to start with real quick is a a friend of mine quite a few years back brought another friend and myself a, uh, I think it was a 67 Corvette. He wanted us to take the body off of the frame and sandblast the frame and do some repair work on some of the damaged members in the frame so we got to do a whole bunch of sandblasting which is not as much fun as it looks like that stuff gets everywhere and it doesn't matter what kind of suit you have on it's getting in your mouth it's getting in your nose it's getting everywhere but i was looking at some of the mechanisms of this car as we were taking it apart and I was looking at the blinkers and I was looking at the windshield wipers and all these things back then were these metallic gear driven rotational cam driven motorized devices there were no electronics and that really surprised me because I'm used to the modern version of having these nice clean little modules where okay here's the windshield wiper motor and it's all one unit and it plugs into your CAN bus or your UBS or USB whatever it is these days controller and that drives it well back then there was a cam and it went in a circle 
and a cam has a lobe on it so it's an oblong like an ob an egg-shaped gear and as the egg shape went across the gears for the windshield wipers it would turn the windshield wipers and the egg shape would go past so the windshield wipers would fall back down again and the egg shape would track around 360 degrees and come back again and I, I never did figure out exactly how the blinkers work, but it was a very similar thing because blinkers blink intermittently. So there had to be some sort of a cam device there that would, when the cam encountered the contactors for the blinker relay, it would turn something or push something and the blinker relay would close and the blinker light would turn on and then the cam would go past it and fall off and then the blinker light would turn off and then the camera would spin 360 degrees and come back again. That mechanical drive factor was why blinkers would go click, 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 click. These days, everything's electronic. And the relays are a lot smaller if they're even relays anymore. Maybe they're, they're not. I don't know. But... <laughs> The noise that you hear when you turn your blinker on these days is manufactured. There's a speaker underneath your dashboard that's wired into the controller for your blinker so that at some intermittent every second and a half or two seconds the thing makes a noise that sounds like a click because it harkens back to the days when blinkers were purely mechanical gear driven devices and that was just the sound of the gears working. There's an example of the things I'd like to explore with uh, things forgotten. I'm going to call it for now. That's, that's the operating term. We'll see. That may evolve. This may not be its final form. But welcome back to the podcast, folks, and I hope you enjoy the content that I'm bringing you today. Thanks for tuning in. There's a lot of confusion among people and misinformation surrounding face masks. Can you discuss that? The masks are important. For someone who's infected to prevent them from infecting someone else. Now, when you see people and look at the films in China and South Korea, whatever, everybody's wearing a mask. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it? Because people are listening really no, closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often, there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask, and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying uh, uh, inside uh, uh, there? Of course, of course. But when you think masks, you should think of healthcare providers needing them and people who are ill. The people who, when you look at the films of foreign countries and you see 85% of the people wearing masks, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not against it. If you want to do it, that's fine. But it can lead to a shortage it, of masks. Exactly. That's the point. It could see. lead to a shortage of masks for the people who really need it. Anthony Fauci, ladies and gentlemen, was the voice that you just heard. This was an interview in March 2020 on 60 Minutes with Dr. John LaPook regarding COVID-19. March 2020, we had known about COVID since late December, early January that year. And this was his advice 
Most folks do not need masks. They're talking about getting some schmutz on your face because you had one on and you're fiddling with it. So it's probably best not to wear one at all. This was the face of the coronavirus in the United States. Now at this time, according to Johns Hopkins University, there were around 100, no, excuse me, 10,000 deaths in China, about 1,000 deaths across parts of Asia, Europe, 100 deaths in the United States, 10 in Canada, and around 100 in Alaska. This was very, very early in the pandemic. Yet, there were people on the internet who had known about this since the end of December, early January. They were already discussing protocols on prophylactic treatments and how to combat the virus. There were people already building rooms in their garage to decontaminate themselves, leave their clothes outside, UV light, bags to put the dirty clothes in. There were corners of the internet that were already treating this very seriously. And yet, here we are in March with the poster boy for the Center for Disease and Control telling us that masks won't do anybody any good. If you listen to that interview carefully, that short clip, at the very end he says, because those things are needed for emergency personnel. And I remember this very, very vividly because I was out there looking for these things to have on hand for my family and my friends. Gloves, rubber gloves, masks, N95 masks, which before about February were readily available anywhere you could go. Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart. You can get N95 masks wherever. And I was at Home Depot one day as soon as they opened. I believe it was early February. And there was another fellow there. And we were both walking towards each other, looking at the shelves. Found where the N95 masks were. Looked at each other. He said, how many do you need? And I said the same back to him. And we sort of split up the five or six packages that were left. I think we got 20 each maybe. And that was the last time I saw them for months and months and months in 2020. But we've got Fauci here telling us, I knew we needed N95 masks. Why? Not because of Fauci. If I would have listened to him, I would have just ignored that opportunity to, to get those. This is what we were told by the health department's quote-unquote leadership at the time. Masks are not needed. Gloves are not needed. Only the sick people and the vulnerable people should wear them. Why? Because we need them for the healthcare workers. And there was a sense of why going around some of the corners of the internet at the time was exactly that. Because we don't have the manufacturing capability to deliver as many masks as we're going to be demanded by us consumers us prawns to combat well no to protect our families against this thing so we were lied to by 
our health department leadership who told us these masks are no good for the general population. You don't need to be walking around with a mask on. It's funny, right now it's December 2022 and I still see people in their cars by themselves with uh, those cheap little blue-white masks on. I have no idea what they're protecting themselves against. <laughs> but that's the state that we're left with. That's the mentality that this leadership has left us with. We are unsure of what to be afraid of. But they've given us this to be afraid of. Now, Fauci is no stranger to diseases and pandemic, quote-unquote, like situations. He has been at the forefront of U.S. efforts to contend with viral diseases like HIV, AIDS, SARS, the swine flu, MERS, Ebola, and COVID-19. Us older folks remember all those things. And he's been around for a long time. This comes from Wikipedia, which I'm not crazy about, but it does give you a general sense of general understanding of information. In a 2020 interview with The Guardian, Fauci remarked, My career and my identity has really been defined by HIV. He was one of the leading researchers during the AIDS epidemic in the early 80s. In 81, he and his team of researchers began looking for a vaccine or treatment for this novel virus, though they would meet a number of obstacles. Leading AIDS activist Larry Kramer attacked Fauci relentlessly in the media. He called him an incompetent idiot and a pill-pushing tool of the medical establishment. And there's a lot more to Fauci's involvement in the coronavirus. This thing just, from what I've read, didn't appear out of nowhere. It was developed. It was built purposefully, and Fauci did have some involvement in that. I'm going to dig into that more and put together, hopefully, a, a fairly in-depth study of exactly how that all came about, his involvement in it. The University of North Carolina, I believe, had some involvement in it, and something about from that point they outsourced it over there to China and they continued working on that research so the United States is not uncomplicit in this virus and that's something I've wondered about for a while this thing supposedly came from China and I watched it I watched it very early there was a heat map which I'm having a hard time finding which showed the globe and it showed the hot spots, how many cases, what cities, what regions, this thing as it was developing early, early on, early on in 2020 and watched it spread from Wuhan province across China and it started jumping around to New Zealand, Europe and I, it, it was about that time I started shopping for prepper supplies got a deep freezer got a generator started stocking up on food consumables rice meats normal sickness supplies theraflu vitamin c alcohol hydrogen peroxide bandages things like that because there were people already at that point january early february that had a sense that things were about to get crazy 
this was about the time that all of a sudden you heard the words are not never heard them before but you listen to the radio you listen to podcasts and people were talking about are not early on i think it was i can't remember specifically and with a quick google search i can't I can't find early estimates of the R not of uh, coronavirus, but in my brain it was like four, which was devastating. Like 30% of the population of the world was supposed to die or be infected. And this was all happening just prior to that clip you just heard of uh, Mr. Fauci telling us that we don't need to wear masks. Strange, though, here it is, again, December 2022, and there's still remnants of that lockdown that we went through afterwards where every time you went somewhere, you better have a mask on and stand six feet between people in line. And when you go to the grocery store, every other aisle went a different direction. You can go up one aisle and go down the other, but you couldn't switch them around to keep people isolated from themselves. People were cleaning shopping carts. That was their job. They'd bring a shopping cart in, they'd be out there with alcohol wipes, swabbing them down, which I think is a good thing because there's, you know, most folks are fairly hygienic, but there's some people that do just don't take care of themselves and you're touching the surface that they just got done touching. Maybe it's good, maybe it's bad because, you know, it teaches your body to build up an immune response to to outside influences from nasty people but i kind of wish that had not gone away standing in line now and some dude wants to get right up behind me or some lady wants to get right up behind me it makes me uncomfortable i i I sort of miss that part of being on quote-unquote lockdown was that separation which i think is a good thing because people aren't coughing on each other and people aren't sneezing on each other the point of all this is that Our leadership in this country, Anthony Fauci, was there to establish how we should act and what precautions we should take, what's going to be good for us, what's going to be bad for us. How do we minimize the spread? Because you can't eliminate it. How do you minimize the spread of this, what initially was a horrible pandemic? And ultimately, they got a lot of things wrong early. This dude has been in his position for 50 years. If anybody's been around long enough to remember how scary the AIDS epidemic was in this country, he was involved in that. So it's not like he doesn't have experience in this field. Coronavirus comes around. This dude's probably on the very edge of viability in his role. This was his chance to really nailed down a legacy of protecting the people in this country and he got a lot of things wrong the next thing i'd like to highlight is about the vaccine response to the coronavirus which was a subject of very hot debate in many circles because first of all they shoved that testing and development through the pipeline with a hydraulic ram. They sidestepped some protocols. 
they sidestepped some testing phases. There was no long-term testing. I mean, we were in 2020, and in 2020, a vaccine showed up. And in 2020, the government and the states mandated that people get the vaccine in a lot of instances, which has gone to court. And they're still working that out right now in 2020, 2022, excuse me. There was so much fear, and it brings me back to the days after 9-11 when the Patriot Act got slammed through. Everybody was afraid of the terrorist. They brought down the Twin Towers. And it still boggles my mind. It still boggles my mind that we found two giant buildings disintegrated to rubble and then burned for days. And we found passports of Saudi Arabians. And then we went to war with Iraq. That still boggles my mind. But we let the politicians shove through these highly... The Department Department of Homeland Security, the DHS, was born on the back of 9-11. And something called the Patriot Act. Another matter of contention is the way that they name this legislation it's called the patriot act but what it really did was restrict the movement of patriots folks who never did anything wrong couldn't bring a shampoo bottle more than a certain amount of ounces onto a plane somebody who never did anything wrong couldn't bring a pocket knife onto a plane the level of scrutiny of trying to get onto an airplane to take a flight went skyrocketed. Take off your shoes. Take off your belt. Is that a nipple piercing? Do you have a nose piercing? Is that an earring? All of a sudden, this quote-unquote patriot act restricted the movement and freedom of patriots. That's the way these things tend to work in this country. They'll name something, some haughty term, and make it sound glorious, but really it does exactly the opposite of what the name sounds like it's doing. So the vaccine was developed very quickly. After the fact, we've learned that Pfizer, I believe it is, made appreciably more profit off of COVID vaccinations than they did all the rest of their drugs and treatments combined in 2020 that was a boon year for them and i believe that this was the very first time that the united states government has mandated that its citizens receive drugs untested drugs for the most part or lose their jobs lose their positions lose their benefits very much like we let the Patriot Act go into effect and we lost our freedoms. This has essentially the same thing. Let's talk about the, uh, the vaccines. Let's see, actually, let's see what Fauci has to say about it. We'd get it in two to three months. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to go into people closer to two months rather than three months. And when you say go into people, a trial, which you said it'll take about a year or more before right. it can yeah. really be tested yeah. and find the out first, if it's The first step in a trial is phase one to determine safety and does it induce the kind of response that you would predict would be protective. That's an important step. Uh, 
With SARS, that took 20 months. Uh, if you get it down to two months, that's pretty good. But then you have a multi-step process, and that's one of the things we want to make sure the American public don't get confused about, because it'll take three or four months to see if it's safe and induces a good response. Then you go to the real proof of the pudding, which is the phase two and then the phase three. But even with phase two, you don't only see 100 to 1,000 or more people. That's phase two. Phase one is 45 people. So when you go to phase two, that would take yet again another six to eight months in an environment in which there are infections because you want to show it works. You add all of that up, and you're dealing with a year to a year and a half at the earliest. Then you've got to scale up to make enough doses to get to the American people. So when I tell the vaccine story, there's good news and there's sobering news. The good news is we did it more quickly than we've ever done it. The sobering news is that it's not ready for prime time for what we're going through now. March 8, 2020, Anthony Fauci talking about how it would take a year to a year and a half to develop an effective virus and go through the expected protocols and testing. Yet, somehow or another, 2021, they had a vaccine. Was it an effective vaccine? How many people have seen stories of people having heart swelling issues, adverse effects to the vaccine? And even deeper, somehow or another, there's an agreement there that these big companies are not exposed to the possibility of being sued for any adverse effects. So our government, in whatever capacity it served in, I don't know if that was the Center for Disease Control, the National Institute of Health, whoever it was that, that drives the funding for this research and development, excluded the companies that they gave carte blanche to, essentially. What really boggles my mind is that even though Anthony Fauci was the face of COVID prevention, so to speak, he's never been castigated in from anybody. Nobody's ever shed any negative light on this dude or anything he's ever said or anything he's ever advised. Yet his advice and his guidance and his decision have driven the health and well-being of a lot of business and a lot of citizens. Some folks made out like a champ. Other folks lost small businesses that have been in their family for generations over this, being mandatory, shut down, closed, temperature checks, and we let them do this to us. And we're okay with it because we've got this mindset that the government is going to take care of us and what they have to say is better for the general goodwill of all the citizens. It's okay that this small town lost a few businesses. I think it could have been done differently, especially with somebody who's been in the position for 50 years. 50 years. And not just him, because every person in a leadership position has a lot of supporting personnel behind them, underneath them, beside them, who are all very well qualified. And, and in most cases in tune with the requirements of their job and willing to do a willing and determined to do a good job and have a sense of serving the country 
driving their determination to do what they need to do. So even though Fauci was the face of all this, he had a lot of good people and their collective, I would imagine, unless he just went off the rails and decided to go off on a tangent, independent of all their advice, I would imagine that their collective guidance was what he gave us. And if that's the case, then our leadership failed us on multiple levels because the result of those lockdowns were tragic for some. Brett Kavanaugh was a Supreme Court justice nominee during the Trump administration. And I would imagine that even hearing that name is going to bring thoughts to your mind of his of the allegations against him that he molested a woman. That's all I can remember about him. And only in reading about him did I ever learn that he actually received a nomination. He's an associate justice now. Well, in the last couple weeks, information has come forth that the woman whose name is Christine Blasley Ford, who accused him of sexual assault, has come forth and revealed that that was false information. What is the difference between false information and a lie? I lied. Why couldn't she just say that? False information. I guess that, I guess that morally excludes you from accepting the consequences that you told <laughs> to the entire world something that was untrue. Allegedly, he groped her and tried to take her clothes off when they were both attending suburban Maryland High School in the early 80s. 40 years prior. How do you remember something that vividly? I don't know. I've never been molested. So I don't know how the memories of being molested change over time. But she was a uh, very well-established young lady. Obviously grew up with some, with some money in her family. She is a professor and research psychologist in Northern California at Palo Alto University and the Stanford University Side D Consortium. She's very well-published. Her consultation area of expertise is the interaction between pharmaceutical companies and the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. That's interesting. I would like to know or read some of her work because we have a very present issue in this country right now, and it has been for a long time, with the relationship between those two organizations or the U.S. Food and Drug the, the U.S. FDA and pharma, pharmaceutical companies. There's quite a few documentaries available that discuss the opiate crisis and how, how it's okay. It's okay for doctors to prescribe opiates to patients who get extremely addicted to them. And so they go from managing pain to being addicted to something that is, here we are again, a boon for pharmaceutical companies. That theme is going to run wild through this podcast. Back to Christine Blasley Ford. She grew up in Maryland suburbs of Washington, D.C. 
very expensive place to live. She attended Holton Arms School. What she says happened at a small party the summer before Ford's junior year, she was attending George, well, Kavanaugh was attending Georgetown Preparatory School. At one point, she walked away to go to the bathroom, went up a small flight of stairs, at which point she was pushed into a bedroom. The door was locked behind her, and Brett Kavanaugh got on top of her on the bed, pushed her down on the bed, on her back, began groping her, trying to take off her clothes. When she tried to scream, he put his hand over her mouth to silence her. Mark Judge was in the room egging him on. Now, who is Mark Judge? Let's see who this is. Mark Gavro Judge is an American author and journalist known for books about a suburban Washington, D.C. youth, recovery from alcoholism, and the role of music in American popular culture. He briefly drew national attention during the 2018 Supreme Court nomination hearings of Brett Kavanaugh. Judge says that he had no memory of the incident. Hmm. Okay. I expected there to be some sort of uh, conspiratorial relationship between the two of those. Well... Brett Kavanaugh stated during his Supreme Court hearings, this is a completely false allegation. I've never done anything like what the accuser describes to her or to anyone because this never happened. I had no idea who was making this accusation until she identified herself yesterday. I'm willing to talk to the Senate Judiciary Committee in any way the committee deems appropriate to refute this false allegation from 36 years ago and defend my integrity. Well, this has happened before. Does anybody remember the names Clarence Thomas? And if they do remember that name, is the next immediate association a woman named Anita Hill, whose allegations eventually turned up to be proved false as well. There's a website called civilrights.org. And when Brett Kavanaugh received the nomination from none other than President Donald Trump, they penned a very lengthy and detailed letter regaling all of Kavanaugh's previous votes on legislation that served to offer harm to the American populace. In this letter, they state that he would be the fifth and decisive vote to undermine many of our core rights and legal protections. Then they go on to detail those core rights. He sought to undermine access to health care, which is, according to this letter, a civil and human right issue of profound importance. He is hostile to women's reproductive freedom. Judge Kavanaugh's hostility toward women's reproductive rights was demonstrated by his rulings in the recent high-profile case Garza v. Hargan. Judge Kavanaugh has also revealed his anti-abortion views off the bench. In a speech last year to the conservative American Enterprise Institute, he praised Chief Justice Rehnquist's opinion in Washington versus Glucksburg for stemming the general tide of freewheeling judicial creation of unenumerated rights that were not rooted in the nation's history and tradition. He would like to restrict voting rights. In two voting rights cases, Judge Kavanaugh has demonstrated his lack of commitment to racial justice. Judge Kavanaugh's ideological bias can also be seen in his rulings in employment discrimination cases, where he has dissented and voted to dismiss claims that a majority of his D.C. Circuit colleagues found to be meritorious. 
in Howard versus Office of the Chief Administrative Officer of the U.S. House of Representatives, Judge Kavanaugh dissented from a majority decision which held that under the Congressional Accountability Act, an African-American woman fired from her position as House of Representatives Deputy Budget Director could pursue claims of racial discrimination and retaliation in federal court. How is it that a person that gets fired from a position, how is it that her ability to appeal the decision in federal court in, in contestation, if I get fired from my position, I just got fired from my position. How, how the heck is it that my position is so important that s somebody needs to go make new law to detail whether whether or not I can take my firing to, to a federal court? Really? How special do you have to be to receive that sort of treatment and scrutiny? Judge Kavanaugh has a pattern of ruling sorry, pattern of ruling against workers and employees and other types of workplaces that cases as well, such as workplace safety, worker privacy, union disputes. I'm going to put a pin in this episode right there. I've probably given Brett Kavanaugh more exposure than he's had in, in a few years, at least from the media sources that I tend to consume. Folks, it's it's the end of December. It's December 26th today, 2022. This has been a strange year. Everything's been strange since 2020. 2020 was, was the zombie apocalypse. 2021 was us sort of figuring out how we felt about the zombie apocalypse and trying to recover from the decisions that those in power made during the zombie apocalypse. 2022 has been somewhat normal, to be honest, although strange because we're still suffering from the remnants of those decisions. There's still people wandering around in masks. There's, uh, there's still some fear from COVID. There's still people dying from it. There's still people getting infected by it. I just read a story yesterday where Norway is out of bed or uh yeah bed space in their moratoriums because of covid infections and china's getting hit with some astronomical number of new covid infections every day 13,000 something like that i'm not too sure what's going on and i'm almost uh, somewhat halfway between not caring and just being over it this has been a poorly handled pandemic if we were going to have a pandemic <laughs> <laughs> we, we we didn't do very well in spite of the fact that we've got all these video games of zombies and like Resident Evil the crazy uh, manufactured biological weapons and all that stuff like you'd think we'd know better as a civilization but maybe we will learn from this one and do better for the next one we shall see in spite of that it's the end of 2022. If you're listening to this, you survived. Congratulations. Welcome to the future. 2023 is going to be a different year. I'm sending a lot of positivity out into the universe about 2023. I'm very excited to get out of this year and into that one. Merry Christmas, folks, if you celebrate that sort of thing. Happy New Year if you celebrate that sort of thing.
We'll talk to you next year. Later.